Congress and the administration consider reforms to the Medicare Advantage program. The Senate passes legislation aimed at addressing the nursing shortage. And congressional appropriators agree on top-line funding numbers for the remainder of fiscal year 2024. For the week of January 29th, 2024, from Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., this is Health on the Hill, brought to you by Heart Health Strategies. I'm Matt Duckworth. ...have shown their willingness to compromise and work together to get a deal. Now this work is not easy. In fact, it's one of the hardest things the Senate has undertaken, but also one of the most important. Kicking off this week's episode with news from Capitol Hill, where House and Senate Appropriations Committee leaders reached an agreement late Friday night on funding totals for the 12 fiscal year 2024 appropriations bills. The House and Senate now have approximately one month to negotiate details of the spending bills, as current funding for federal agencies is set to expire on March 1st for some agencies and March 8th for the remainder, including the Department of Health and Human Services. Congress faces an effective April 30th deadline to pass the fiscal year 2024 appropriations bills due to a provision in the most recent debt ceiling law that would impose an automatic spending cut on all discretionary funding should a continuing resolution still be in place at that time. flexibility of how you can use it. Senators Rosen, Collins, and I also introduced the Train More Nurses Act, which reviews all nursing grant programs to find ways of increasing nursing pathways. Happy to hear some things. That was the voice of Senator Mike Braun, a Republican from Indiana, and one of the co-authors of a bill that the Senate passed by unanimous consent last week, the Train More Nurses Act. The legislation aims to strengthen the nursing workforce, and improve pathways for licensed practical nurses to become registered nurses. The bill would require the Secretaries of Labor and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services to conduct a study on federal grant programs that support the nursing workforce. Additional news today where the Senate Finance Committee plans to investigate the marketing practices of five Medicare Advantage third-party marketing organizations, including eHealth, GoHealth, Agent Pipeline, SelectQuote, and Transact. Committee Chairman Ron Wyden, a Democrat from Oregon, asserts that the sale of beneficiaries' information has, quote, led to a race to the bottom as unscrupulous actors put their own financial interests ahead of seniors' health needs, unquote. The panel has sent letters to each of the companies requesting information on their business practices. In related news, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services has issued a request for information seeking input on the Medicare Advantage program related to, quote, access to care prior authorization, provider directories, and networks, supplemental benefits, marketing, care quality and outcomes, value-based care arrangements and equity, and health competition in the market, unquote. The RFI follows a letter from a bipartisan group of senators, including Senators Bill Cassidy, the lead Republican on the Senate Help Committee from Louisiana, Elizabeth Warren, a Democrat from Massachusetts, Marsha Blackburn, a Republican from Tennessee, and Catherine Cortez Masto, a Democrat from Nevada, to the agency in December 2023, urging the administration to improve the data collection and reporting practices of Medicare Advantage plans, 
responses to the RFI are due on May 29th. Also related from last week, the Medicaid and CHIP Payment and Access Commissioner, MACPAC, voted on a series of recommendations during its meeting to streamline the appeals process for claims denials made by Medicaid managed care organizations. The commission proposed to allow third-party doctors to conduct external medical reviews of Medicaid managed care organization claims denials. Similar policies are already in place in 14 states across the nation. The recommendation follows a 2023 report from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, which found high rates of prior authorization denials by Medicaid managed care organizations. The same report found that external medical reviewers made decisions in beneficiaries' favor more often than when MCOs oversaw the claims adjudication process. MACPAC also voted to recommend that CMS issue guidance on MCO denial forms and that states conduct audits of denials made by MCOs. MACPAC's recommendations will be published in the Commission's March 2024 report to Congress. With respect to, uh, to with, with medical supply chains across uh, our American, certainly in my home state of Delaware, um, but we've heard from uh, patients, we've heard from caregivers, we've heard from providers, we've heard from manufacturers about the lack of uh, access to medicine and to medical equipment. In Some Alabama. bipartisan news today: where Senate Finance Committee Chairman Ron Wyden, a Democrat from Oregon, and Ranking Member Mike Crapo, a Republican from Idaho, have released a white paper. Outlining policy proposals, the committee is exploring to address generic drug shortages through modifications to the Medicare and Medicaid programs. The panel is considering the following areas for legislative development this year. 1. Medicare Part A and B payment reforms to stabilize the supply of generic sterile injectable medicines. 2. New incentives for providers and other prescription drug supply chain stakeholders to engage in shortage prevention and mitigation activities. 3. Reforms or new pilot programs in Medicare Part D to bolster incentives for pharmacies to purchase generic medicines from drug manufacturers that invest in shortage mitigation, quality, and drug supply chain resilience. And 4. Potential reforms to the Medicaid drug rebate program targeting generic medicines in shortage. We have to also work to ensure that digital health tools that have become more popular during the pandemic remain accessible to everyone. To help that was the voice of Congresswoman Robin Kelly, a Democrat from Illinois, who along with her colleague, Representative Troy Balderson, a Republican from Ohio, planned to launch the Congressional Digital Health Caucus during an event hosted by the Consumer Technology Association on Thursday. The caucus will focus on ensuring access to the benefits of digital health tools for all Americans. The event on February 1st will feature speakers from Google, Microsoft, Amazon Web Services, and Hippocratic AI to discuss artificial intelligence in digital healthcare. In related news, a bipartisan group of senators have sent a letter to Majority Leader Chuck Schumer calling for the creation of a federal agency responsible for regulating the technology industry. The letter reads, quote, Congress must create a new agency with the resources and meaningful enforcement authority to regulate these firms in a comprehensive, considered, and continuous manner. It goes on to say we can successfully mitigate the risks of artificial intelligence 
while simultaneously addressing the harms American families and businesses experience every day in our digital world. Unquote. The majority leader has recently convened a series of artificial intelligence insight forums, underscoring the need for a comprehensive approach to artificial intelligence. The letter, which was signed by Senators Michael Bennett, a Democrat from Colorado, Lindsey Graham, a Republican from South Carolina, Elizabeth Warren, a Democrat from Massachusetts, and Peter Welsh, a Democrat from Vermont, also endorses the Digital Platform Commission Act and the Digital Consumer Protection Commission Act to establish a new enforcement authority to oversee the tech sector. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services released a set of voluntary cybersecurity performance goals for the healthcare sector on Wednesday. The measures include both essential goals to strengthen basic cybersecurity as well as enhanced goals to protect against sophisticated cyber attacks. The goals were accompanied by a new gateway website to help the healthcare and public health sector implement these practices. What they are doing to lower prescription drug prices in America. Now, why did we ask? Why did we ask these CEOs to come before us? The answer is pretty simple, and it is right behind me. Among other questions, we would like some simple answers as to why does the United States pay by far the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs sometimes? More news today where the CEOs of Johnson & Johnson and Merck have agreed to testify before the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, or HELP Committee, alongside the CEO of Bristol-Myers Squibb, on the issue of prescription drug pricing during a hearing to be held on February 8th. Committee Chairman Bernie Sanders, an independent from Vermont who caucuses with Senate Democrats and who you just heard, had planned to hold a vote this week on issuing subpoenas for the CEOs, but canceled the executive session, explaining that, quote, the use of a subpoena was clearly a last resort, and I'm delighted that these CEOs will be coming into our committee voluntarily, unquote. Moving on today, where a bipartisan group of senators sent a letter last week to President Joe Biden, urging the administration to oppose a World Trade Organization proposal to waive intellectual property protections for COVID-19 diagnostics and therapeutics. The letter reads, quote, Waiving rules meant to incentivize the discovery and production of life-saving medicines will cause investors and innovators to shift their efforts elsewhere. It goes on to argue, what is more, allowing foreign competitors to disregard IP protections for made-in-the-United-States biomechanical technologies would undercut U.S. businesses and undermine the efforts of the workers who brought those technologies to market. Unquote. The issue will be discussed at a World Trade Organization ministerial conference next month. The letter was led by Senators Mike Crapo, a Republican from Idaho, Chris Coons, a Democrat from Delaware, Tom Carper, a Democrat from Delaware, and Tom Tillis, a Republican from North Carolina. The letter was signed by 10 other senators. My wife, Kirstie, and I see the potential in our state and our people, and we are excited about the opportunities ahead. For the past five years as your congressman, I've been fighting for North Dakota and D.C. I've had fought against federal overreach, a two-tier justice system, and a radical liberal agenda. And I have fought for states' rights, individual liberty, and good order. That was the voice of Representative Kelly Armstrong, a Republican from North Dakota, who last week announced his candidacy for the government of that state. Armstrong was first elected to the House of Representatives in 2018 and currently serves on the Energy and Commerce Committee.
In related news, Representative Dutch Ruppersberger, a Democrat from Maryland, also announced that he would retire at the end of his term. Ruppersberger has served in the House since 2003 and currently sits on the House Appropriations Committee. A running list of members of Congress who are retiring or seeking other office can be found in our weekly written policy briefing on the news page of our website at www.hhs.com. The meeting will come to order. Welcome to the Ways and Means Committee organizing meeting for the 118th Congress. The Committee on Energy and Commerce will come to order. The chair recognizes herself for an opening statement. Um, and it's a pleasure to bring together the first meeting of the Finance Committee in the 118th Congress. Good morning. The Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions will come to order. All right. We, we end each week's episode with the call to order, where we lightning round congressional meetings and hearings in the near future that you need to know about. First, on Monday, January 29th at 3.30 p.m., the House Veterans Affairs Subcommittee on Technology Modernization holds the hearing, The Future of Data Privacy and Artificial Intelligence at VA. Second, on Wednesday, January 31st at 10 a.m., the House Oversight and Accountability Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic hosts a hearing titled, Overseeing the Department of Health and Human Services Compliance with Congress. Third, on Wednesday, January 31st at 10 a.m., the House Energy and Commerce Subcommittee on Health convenes a hearing entitled, Healthcare Spending in the United States, Unsustainable for Patients, Employers, and Taxpayers. Fourth, on Wednesday, January 31st at 10.15 a.m., the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee gavels in an executive session to consider nominations and legislation, including a bill to prohibit contracting with certain biotechnology providers. Fifth, on Wednesday, January 31st at 3.30 p.m., the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee holds the hearing, Vet Centers, Supporting the Mental Health Needs of Service Members, Veterans, and Their Families. Sixth, on Friday, February 2nd at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, the House Judiciary Committee hosts a field hearing in Los Angeles, California, entitled Artificial Intelligence and Intellectual Property, Part 2, Identity in the Age of AI. And last, on Thursday, February 8th at 10 a.m., the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, or HELP Committee, convenes a hearing on the high cost of prescription drugs for patients. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of Health on the Hill, brought to you by Heart Health Strategies. For more information on this week's healthcare happenings in the administration and on Capitol Hill, you can visit our website at hhs.com and click on the news section at the top of the page. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Did we miss a story you wanted to hear this week? If so, email me at mduckworth at hhs.com, and we may include it in our next episode. Have a great week, and stay healthy. Mm-hmm.